Welcome to What The Fit, a podcast about what it means to be fit, whatever the fuck that means. I'm your host, Christelle Rubio, and I'm helping to share the stories of cool people doing cool shit, from fitness trainers to wellness coaches, entrepreneurs, and entertainers. We'll hear the behind the scenes journey, all the different ways we can take care of ourselves, and of course, we'll answer and explore the big question of what does being fit mean to you? My guest today joined City Beat as an investigative reporter in June 2022. She was a real-time editor at WCPO 9 News, covering breaking news for the web. The Middletown native attended Bowling Green State University, where she studied telecommunications and TV and film production. Her beats are wide-ranging, but she most consistently follows the Amazon labor movement, abortion rights, drug adulteration and harm reduction, Cincinnati police misconduct, and more. Please welcome Madeline Fenning. Hi. Hello. <laughs> this is my dream come true. <laughs> oh my god. I am with a real ass investigative reporter <laughs> from Cincinnati's like most beloved news outlet, City Beat. Like everyone loves City Beat. Yeah, it's it's that's what's very fun about working at City Beat is I feel like I'm like a part of a party that like yes. everyone loves to go to. I don't know. It's it's fun. It's definitely very different for news because I used to be at a station where and most you know news stations and newspapers and like legacy media have a lot of people who are constantly sending hate mail and phone calls and yeah. people are you know very quick to call them like the media whereas yeah. for some reason city beat i feel it's like cool we, we just kind of get to enjoy the good parts it's like the, they're like the cool kid on the block i yeah. mean i love city Beat. i fucking talk about city beat on this podcast so so much which is like yeah. how this kind of came to be and yeah, when you reached out i was ecstatic i was like we are gonna throw on a full-on news show like knowing the news knowing local issues understanding what's happening in your community is wellness yeah it is be an active participant like in your space mm -hmm. for sure that's at least what i think about it yeah well and i think uh, since covid the way that we think about health and wellness has shifted away from being like a niche thing into being a part of our everyday lives i mean we've a lot of activists and politicians, a lot of people start are started framing things as health issues. Right. Like there's been, I mean, declaring things as a health crisis that previously weren't is now like a new frame of thinking yeah. about our own lives and our own livelihoods and stuff. So yeah, it really does feel like at this point, our health and well-being is, you, you can look at it and find it in everything. Yeah. And it's, and this feels like City Beat is such like a local intimate mm -hmm. kind of like your neighborhood watch. Mm -hmm. Like it is like the beat of the city, as we say. Yeah. And yeah. I, yeah, it's fun. And I didn't live in Cincinnati forever. I was in, uh, well, I grew up in Middletown, but then I lived in Austin, Texas after I graduated mm. from college. Ooh, I was fun. there for a while, which was so fun. Yeah. But I did crave more of that like local feel, but I also loved the like big city atmosphere at the same yeah. time. Yeah, yeah, and yeah. so I, when I came back to Cincinnati, it, 
I don't know, just really clicked after I was done at WCPO. I was about to give birth. Mm -hmm. I was like, what's the next, you know, step of my life? And it just kind of all fell into place where I was like, City Beat is kind of the amalgamation of everything I've ever loved and wanted to do. It's like both big and small at the same time, which is so, so much fun. Yeah. Yeah. I have joked on this podcast so many times about being like the special correspondent for city beat of like, (laughs) just like stupid shit, you know, I mean, like the gossip, like the smut journalist. Sure. (laughs) Honestly, (laughs) stupid shit and fun shit and weird shit is a, like a whole, you know, subcategory of what we do. It's it's really part of your culture. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, Big time. And it's, people love it. Like we, at the end of last year, it was like the day after Christmas. It was the 26th, early in the morning. I was waking up, honestly, like hungover from drinking whiskey sours uh-huh. with my mom all uh-huh. night long, um, talking on 700 WLW about the weirdest news that had happened all year yes. um, in Cincinnati. And it was just so funny because I think I remember him saying something like, there's no one else that's going to talk about this the way City Beat will. Yes. Because it's it's what we it's kind like of do for the people. Yeah. Mm-hmm. It's just like a normal, like you're chatting, like what's going on, yeah. what's happening around us. Um, so yeah, I've joked that like I would be the like gossip columnist, but, or that we, we need like an ear to the street kind of yeah. like down and dirty OTR, like in the sewers kind of reporting. Yes. I'll um, take sewer yeah. reporting any day. <laughs> yes. Absolutely. But no, you were doing actual, like real important work like breaking like really important stories thank you it's so before we go like full Rachel Maddow here and then like get (laughs) into like some some good stuff how did you get into it like what's your career story yeah my career story I well when I went to college I like a lot of people kind of was lost didn't really know what I wanted to do I at the time was on the speech and debate team oh that's fun (laughs) it was it was cool it was There's a lot more to speech and debate in college than people realize. It's a really big mix of like what you kind of would imagine speech and debate is, which is like that more polished, professional, like political almost looking, you know, delivery. But there's also very like impassioned, prosy, persuasive, performative type of stuff. And I was doing a little bit of of all of it. And I, and so much research involved too, oh, like, the, the, like the journalistic part of it where yeah. you're like, you need to know your points. You need mm-hmm. to know like t- rebuttals. You need to understand like what an opposition yeah. would say. Yeah. And we, I mean, we had to memorize our sources, not only the, like where we would get our facts and information, but like the date that it was published. Oh so when you would go to say, okay, according to a report from the National Labor Board something, it, you couldn't just say that it had to be on July 22nd, 2022 or whatever. Oh like you had to gosh. know the exact date. And you were doing probably upwards of, at least I was, I mean, at least like eight different events. And so all day long, I mean, you would get up and it would be starting, like your first round would be like at eight o'clock in the morning and your last round could be at like eight o'clock at night. And you would have maybe like maybe a half hour for some food and a a break in the midst of all of that. And I would be doing it in heels. Like the girls, like everyone at the, it's probably different now, but at the time it was like, there were, there were rules. You had to wear a suit probably like a black suit that you got from Express. 
Yeah. Oh, express. <laughs> yes. No, in fact, my express suit, oh my God, to this day, it's so fire. It was a red skirt suit with like black buttons. It was very yes. tailored. Yes. It was like fire engine red. And yes. it was now at the time it was in that like 2011, 2012. Yes. You have some stitching on oh, the outside. Yeah. I can imagine. I'm wearing the like patent leather nude heel, uh-huh. you know, uh-huh. that's like yeah. very Did it have big. a rounded toe? Oh yeah, yeah. of course. <laughs> Super round platform. And uh, I was like, you know, just clip clopping, and I would have to go from one side of some random college ca- campus to yeah. the other in those heels in like the winter. Yes, I'm terrible. like memorizing stuff. Oh my God, yeah. So I, at the time, that gave me a little bit of resiliency and inspiration to kind of keep going with research, but also delivering it. And mm. I, because it was so performative based, I thought that broadcast was kind of the right path for me. Yeah. And so I joined our local campus news organization, BG24 News. And Mm -hmm. it was amazing because it was just this like rough and tumble, small group of people of my peers who were producing a newscast like every single day. Wow. And we were just figuring it out as we went. And we had no one really telling us what to do. Mm -hmm. Like we had pretty much free reign and we just ran all over town interviewing people and making Doing like campus stories or was it more? Campus and community. That was our our thing is that we didn't want to just do campus stuff. We didn't want to play it too safe. I mean, there were campus stories for sure. Oh yeah. Um, But yeah. Oh yeah. I mean, it was, it was always, there was always something for sure. But then going into the community was interesting because it was at Bowling Green, Ohio is like kind of a small farm town. Yes. Yes. But it's because it's a college town in a farm area, there was a lot of political divide because there would be people who were like either like their whole lives were and careers were like tied up into the university okay and so they kind of had there were a lot of people who had a more like progressive mindset sort of or were more like pro education and pro adopting like new I don't know like uh, for instance like that was at the time when the Black Lives Matter movement really kind of took off Uh and um so the way that you saw that response in the community was really interesting yeah um, I, at the time I remember doing, I had, I was such a, I look, looking back on it, I was like so obsessed with just producing content all the time. I just like, I would like skirt my schoolwork to Were just like go do Twitter? something. Oh yeah. yeah. I tweeted constantly, um, one morning, just like pulling information I was seeing from other sources to like compile lists of, of actions that were happening in our area in response to the, it was the Ferguson, um, like unrest that was happening at the time and just tweeting about what was happening on campus about it. Just like to, to death, skipping class to do it. (laughs) Like I would just, I would be like, I'm not going to go to my class, but I'm going to sit here and tweet. Yeah. And then I had the BBC reached out to me and they were like, Hey, do you want to be on our show later today? It's the world have your say program. And it's, do you want to tell us what's going on on your campus? Yes, absolutely. I do. This is why I'm skipping school. (laughs) I was like, let me clear my schedule. (laughs) And so I, uh, I, you know, I would do that. I, I was just so obsessed with like, at the time it was like, there was a budding DIY to to news uh-huh, because okay. people had social media and were utilizing it for things at that point beyond just social stuff, yep, right? Yep, yep. And so the intersection between the 
movements that were happening about racial justice and student movements of journalism. It was kind of all coming together. Yeah. Um, and it was messy at times. Like I think there were definitely times where I was uh, maybe not always running my facts or maybe not always well, that's the watching point my of words. College, but right? Yeah, like it you, was kind you're of making mistakes. Yes. You're like feeling around, you're yes. getting your footing. I the probably the biggest, most messy thing was when I um Oh my God, it's so embarrassing. I, uh, basically I auditioned to join MTV news because they were looking for a new host. They were revamping MTV news. They wanted to get back to that. Like Like, honestly, my dream job. I was almost a journalism major. You, well, clearly you would be amazing at it. You pretty much like are a journalist, but the, uh, like they were looking for like a new Gideon Yago type person yes, and I was Gideon. I was like let's go absolutely and I was just Madeline so from Middletown here <laughs> yeah, exactly why not me yeah. so then I go in for, and I'm like ready I'm that morning I'm just like preparing I'm ready they're like we're gonna just quiz you on on recent headlines and we just want you to talk about what's going on and then give your opinion holy shit it. that's hard well I was like yeah but, but I was I'm like, ready I'm uh, tweeting all the time I'm like, on BBC I would do this in line with people at Starbucks that I don't know yes, so like yes, why I not and then I get in there and the and I know in hindsight that they were just doing this to like really test me and throw me, but they Did first, they really test you and throw oh you? Oh my God. <laughs> so I mean the at the time, I remember the headlines were uh, for instance, LeBron James, I remember, had just worn his I can't breathe jersey to a Cavs game because of, you know, the George yes. or not George Floyd, sorry. Um it was or no. Yeah, was, yeah, George Floyd. In but that was just in 2020. No, 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 not. Oh gosh. Oh no, with the guy that was outside the cig- selling cigarettes. His that guy, that's he got he got that was his ticketing was he got he was like arrested yes, for selling cigarettes. Yes, I know. I'm trying to remember the name of what's his name? name. I know. I feel oh my gosh, terrible. I know. I feel terrible too. I'm also just tired. You're fried from the day. <laughs> I've and been up since like 6:30 this morning working. But anyway, yeah. Um, I I'm gonna think of it like later yep. in my sleep and sit up and, and yell it into the void. But, yeah. Um, anyway, so <laughs> the uh, I th- that was a big headline at the time. There was also a um a case with a, a student in a college who was uh, had experienced sexual assault and then was testifying about her experience and uh-huh. then that entire narrative was like entered into like about trauma was a very common thing that people were talking about about how you remember things and so the whole kind of uh discussion about sexual assault at that time was really gearing up on a on a social political level that kind of led to that me too right yes like pre me too and so i was i was more so than I am right now. But at the time, I was ready. I was absolutely ready to talk about those things. And then the very first question that they gave me, I'll never forget. Are they filming you? Do you have, like, a camera I'm, on you? I'm or? on a I'm on a, my laptop, oh, okay. my so it's like shitty a- college laptop that was hanging by a thread. And it was before Zoom or any of that. So, like, the Skype? idea was that – I think it was Skype. Yeah, it that's was what Skype. we had. Yeah. And so I was Skyping with, with them, and they were recording, and they were like, okay, we're just going to go ahead, get started. First question, we just wondered to know if you can tell us what's going on in the Middle East, and then just give us your opinion about it. Okay. That's really broad, obviously. I just sat there in, like, such shock, and I asked to clarify. I went, like, the whole Middle East. <laughs> like, the, the region in entirety. <laughs> and she's like, mm-hmm, yep, what's going, what's going on in the Middle East, and give your opi- my opinion about it. And I was just like... Um, okay. And so I was like, well, let's like, well, talk, we about... talk about Syria. Do you want to talk about Iraq? Do you want to talk about I'm Iran? Like, Do you want to talk... Which war, <laughs> yeah, which, yeah, yeah. which invasion, which, and so I, I said, 
you know, I said, why don't we narrow this down? Let's talk about ISIS and we'll talk about the, I, I think I, what I, I talked about, um, yeah. maybe even the, it was there at the time there was like a, a lot of talk about how ISIS was operating things differently than Al Qaeda in this like very, they were utilizing things like social media more to like radicalize people and uh-huh. things like that. So, the, the YouTube videos were coming yeah, out and yes. stuff like that. And yeah. so I, I talked about that, but definitely horribly. Like I just stumbled and I was so, my fight or flight was just raging. And then from that point, I remember I was being asked questions at the after that that I I probably could have responded better to. Right, but but you were rattled. I was so, so rattled. And my, my friend at the time, Ashley Paul, she was sitting in her room, which was off the living room. So she was like hiding in her room listening. She was my hype girl too. She was so excited for me. Like she was so excited and she, God love her. She was just sitting in her room and she was like, I wanted to tear my hair out the entire time listening to you because I couldn't leave my room. And she's like, I was trapped listening to a car crash happening. Yeah, it was horrible. So, so I you didn't get the MTV job. Oh, I, I didn't get I didn't even get an email saying you're not getting the MTV job. I just got a we'll give you a call mm-hmm. kind of a thing. Mm-hmm. So um I then moved to Austin, Texas. Uh, after I graduated, I interned at a film festival and then I worked Oh, that's fun. Yeah, it was really fun. And then I worked at a movie theater where we had like film festivals happening all the time. We had lots and lots of um directors that were always coming in. It was very um, inspiring environment. And so I really thought maybe documentary work would be my next most natural step. And you so have the TV and film. Yeah. Like, yeah. And yeah, so yeah. I thought, well, what's, it's like basically making a giant piece of journalism, right? Like yeah. I just want to do that. So I took, I bit off a way more than I could chew. And I tried to, um, make a documentary about adults with autism transitioning into adulthood. Wow. And, um, I did, I did kind of get a decent amount done. I, quickly learned that funding for an independent film is <laughs> is such a battle um i think that i raised like maybe 2 to 3000 dollars and I mean, it that's got that's pretty good it was yeah and it got spent pretty virtually immediately yeah. on just lots of little things and um the just i mean the cost of of the camera equipment, the cost of gas. I mean, and I was in Texas, so I, I drive somewhere to see, to meet someone. It's not right, you like need to 10 be minutes. Interviewing people and like yeah, getting yeah. their stories. And, and yeah, yeah, it's, yeah. it was, it was a lot. And so that I eventually, I eventually put down the project knowing that eventually one day I'd pick up the kind of autism storyline again at some point, which is still something I would like to do. Mm-hmm. Um, but then I, kind of was a little bit lost, uh, feeling kind of like that same feeling I had in college of like, well, now what am I supposed to do? I'm not sure what's right for me. I started working at, uh, as a contractor at Google news on their, uh, audio news project. I was basically just pulling, um, audio clips from national news organizations and repackaging them for their Google assistant news product. Mm -hmm. It was kind of interesting, but then, I just kind of felt this uh, pull to just yeah. come back to Cincinnati. I just kind of thought I needed that. I needed a smaller pond with more familiar people. Yeah. Because yeah. in Austin, like people, it was like a revolving door, like a lot of big cities, like LA, like New York, where yes. you meet, make a friend or make a connection and then they'd go somewhere. They'd yes. move on. And, and so I knew that coming back home to Cincinnati that I would be able to actually like plant roots and, and watch something grow. And yeah. so came yeah. back got a job at WCPO, 
pandemic happened. I got pregnant. Yeah. I, uh, <laughs> I kind of went back to the drawing board and thought, okay, I'm just going to start freelancing for City Beat. Um, I asked them, I was, I didn't even think they were going to say yes, to be honest with you, because I wasn't doing as much, I wasn't doing like real investigative work at WCPO. I was mostly churning out quick, like real time crime, uh, blogs yeah. essentially is what yeah. it was. I would like listen to a police scanner and then I would, uh, I mean, it kind of was investigative work in a way cause I'd hear something on the scanner and then I would call around to different local police departments or, you know, county agencies or wherever yeah. to try to figure out what was going on. Um, and then I would sometimes, if I, if it warranted it, I would send a photographer there to also go look into it, get video, but also ask around and ask questions. They would report that back to me. I would compile things, you know, fact check things and get it into an online thing as quick as I could. It was yeah. very much like, so like a race. Yeah, yeah, yeah. This it was, is like on, like every hour we're yeah. kind of like need to be updating. And it was mostly crime, you said? It was mostly crime or fires, emergencies, like just Oof. big emergencies. Um, um, it was a lot of shit happening in Cincinnati. You know, yeah, it was. There's a lot of stuff that would that happens that I didn't really realize. Like little things, like um, road rage is a really big thing that I did not know much about. Like I'm talking, and it's not just road rage. Like someone's honking at another person on the highway. They're like they're calling in. Oh no! Like it's it's like police or people nine one one other road people on the road calling in about other drivers who are like. Uh, like chasing down and trying to run another car off the road or chasing someone. I mean, I felt that before. Oh, but like chasing someone (laughs) across the county until that other person runs out of gas. And then when they get, they run out of gas, they'll get out of the car and pull a gun on them. Oh my God. Like obsession, obsession. That stuff happens so much more often than I, than I thought. This is scary too, because like if someone does like something mean to me on the road or they, you know, cut me off or they honk and they shouldn't or whatever, mm-hmm. I sometimes want to like, if I like, pull up next to them, like want to make a point to look at them and give them a really like, I know. what are you fucking doing look? Mm-hmm. And then I hear this kind of shit and I'm like, you're going to get no. your head blown in. People will shoot at each other <laughs> on the highway. <laughs> All the time. Like, I mean, when I say all the time, it probably sounds like I'm being a fear monger. But like when I say all the time, I mean enough that it is a defining memory of my time listening to police scanners constantly. It was that. And then um, also just just medical things, mostly hearing the the medical calls that were going on. Most of the time it was like a sweet little old lady has fallen down and she can't get up. Kind of like in those commercials. But also like I would listen to women give birth in their (gasps) own bathrooms by themselves, like completely by themselves. Like being on the phone with a dispatcher and like they're like crowning, they're by themselves in their bathroom. And then the firefighters, when they get there, they'll report back to dispatch and be like, we are here and it's no longer just one person here. We're cutting the cord. Like there's, yeah, like that would happen. And when that would happen, I would sometimes just be like, especially when I was pregnant, I would, it would really scare the shit out of me. Yeah. Like it really would. And are you like, I'm, I would imagine if it were me listening, I'd be like, okay, I want to hear from the woman, like how this happened. Do you have anyone else to call? Like, why didn't yeah. you go to a hospital? Yeah. Like what's going on? No, <laughs> why are you alone? All the time. Was this your birth plan? Like, <laughs> <laughs> seriously, I also, I would sometimes be a little jealous thinking like, man, you just avoided so much money in hospital fees. Like you, <laughs> I'm so glad it went well for you because that oh. is, <laughs> I know that's such a terrible messed up thing to think. No, no, no. But- I, I just like go to a place where like, I have like a, a lot of anxiety around delivering a baby oh yeah a lot of like late the whole labor situation like stuff on tv I don't, I don't know if you watch um 
Oh my God. What is the show? How can I? Is totally... it that discovery show about how you didn't know you were pregnant and then no, you had to give birth? No, no, I no, have no, no, no. With the, where they wear the red dresses and the what? Oh, Handmaid's Tale. Handmaid's Tale. Oh <laughs> my God. What in yeah. the world? I'm like, lose my mind. Um, when like the last season where there's just like giving birth in the barn, oh. like I like scenes like that where there's just like you have to do this here. I'm like, <sighs> have oh, you seen Last of Us? Yeah. Okay. Yeah. That you know exactly what I'm talking about. Yes. I had that also t- seems like it was the easiest birth ever. No, I know. She just like sneezed yeah. and the baby came out while she's fighting a zombie with a knife. She's giving birth. But I think the oh, panic- sorry spoiler alert if anyone is. <laughs> Yeah, if you haven't caught up on Last of Us at this point, then you don't really actually care about Last of Us. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But the that scene of just also her being like panicked and just like running up those stairs and just trying to like get like seeing how pregnant she was in that moment, I was like, Can you? I can't even imagine. No, I I just can't. Giving birth was definitely the most mean traumatic thing that I had ever been through. I had an emergency C-section, which was really rough. But um, I know a lot of people have had it way worse. I mean, it is traumatic. It is a traumatic. I mean, for some people, I guess I, my, my, one of my best friends is a doula in Copenhagen. And so like, I see her. Kind of Sorry. That's like the coolest sentence I've ever heard <laughs> in the world. And like, yeah. she is the coolest yeah. and right. All the content that she posts is just like beautiful at home births and the baby just, I mean, not, not that it's like easy by any means. No, the women yeah. look like they are laboring, mm-hmm. but she'll post pictures where they're like the husband's like in the bath with the woman like massaging her head being like you were born for this you've got this and the baby like comes out and then like just crawls on the chest right to the nipple and they're like you're like yeah that was not my experience <laughs> at everyone has their oh. own unique no i mean like, full birthing experience i tell people i'm like if i had to sum my birth experience up in like two sentences i you know I was induced, and at the time it was like COVID time, and so I was very much so in my like trust doctors mindset, which mm. I, I mean to like an extent, like I definitely still am, but I think that I didn't, I didn't ask enough questions, and I, I didn't, hear a lot of women say that, you know what I mean, and I I was also just relying on what people were telling me, which was that you know good Sam is like the best, the yeah. absolute best, and I you know I still think that there's a ton of great things about good Sam and what they do, especially for. Um, like lower income women at the time I was, I didn't have a job. And so I, cause I was, I right. left WCPO like a few months before. And you're doing freelance work. You're not yeah. part of a health plan. No, or, yeah. exactly. And so they had um, great resources for all different moms of all different um, economic brackets, which was really great. But when the day I went in there to give birth, I was just so I was so unprepared for what birth actually feels like, what labor actually feels like. I, I mean, are, are we all like, if you haven't done it before, how no. do you know? How do you know? I didn't realize that pressure was something that isn't taken away by an epidural. And like, it's, I, I guess you never really realize what, how real the pain of pressure is. Um, and when I would tell them like, Hey, like my, my stuff, my epidural must not be working or I I'm in so much pain. It's all in my lower back. Like it felt oh, like my lower back, back was exploding. Yeah. yeah, yeah. Back, what do they call it? Like back, back labor. Yeah. 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 And they're like, yeah, that's pressure. The epidural doesn't take that away. And I'm like, well, I would have loved to have known that just so I could like prepare. prepare? I don't know. Just so I, cause I'm really overwhelmed right now. And then my doctor at night was an absolute um, I'll, I mean, m- all of the women that were my doctors during the day were like angels. I felt like I was in a Renaissance painting of like all of these like women that were just like floating like in and, ta- you, yes, and like taking ba- care of me. Yeah. And they were just like, at one point when like Gus was in 
um, like cardiac, uh, I don't know, his heart rate like went like way up or down or something. Yeah. I don't know. They like came in, they moved me all around, they flipped me, they like put a monitor on his head while he was inside me. They did all of this stuff. And the whole time I had this super calm voiced, wonderful and all, I don't know if it was the drugs but everyone was so beautiful I really yeah. felt like I was on Grey's Anatomy yes. this woman looks at me and she's just like calmly explaining to me like everything mm-hmm. that's happening in this like yoga voice she's wearing a halo yeah, yeah. I'm like okay and then at night I had one guy and he was so annoyed with me and my pain and was um, which is the last oh. thing that you want not to be validated oh. in your experience as you're going through the most painful traumatic bodily experience that you will have in your life as a woman I was so blown away by his callousness I almost thought like I must be like hallucinating right now (laughs) like I've been through so much I'm exhausted I haven't eaten anything in almost 24 hours um this can't be real uh at one point I was pushing and he was sitting there just like kind of one hand <laughs> under my vag, just kind of waiting for the baby to fly out while he watched TV. No. And not only no. that, he was bored with what he was watching no, on TV. No, I can't. I can't. <laughs> oh, my God. My sister, who, thank God, was in the room, she and she's a nurse, she grabbed the remote and turned it off. And she was like, hi, you need to do your job. She's pushing. Like, it was it was comical honestly oh but then you had a beautiful healthy baby boy the very fucking cutest baby boy yeah I was I again thought it was just the drugs because when he was born I was like oh my god they it's not just me right like he's really cute right like can you let me know yeah and all the nurses and doctors like yeah that's a it's a nice looking baby oh my gosh so so when was Gus born? I'm just trying to the timeline and then born, you started yeah. at City Beat. He was born on 11-11 oh. and he- 2021? Tw- yes. Yes. Right? Yes. Oh my God. Sorry. Yes. I had to like think. Um, yes, he was. And then I, you know, I told myself that I was going to just kind of take the next year slow, mm-hmm. that I was going to, at some point when I was ready, I was going to start freelancing, but I was going to be like the childcare provider. Like yeah. I, you know, childcare is an insane beast that no one really warns you for, like how to prepare for. Like, I mean, to get on a waiting list for a, you know, a decent childcare place can oh, take yeah. like a year, like you have to get on the waiting before list. Before their baby is even in the conceived. world. Yeah. <laughs> Seriously. Like there are people who get on waiting lists as soon as they have a positive pregnancy test. I mean, it's, wow. it's, and even then you have to wait. It's nuts. So, um, I kind of just thought I'm going to stay at home and I'm going to take things slow. I'm going to figure out my life. I'm going to freelance and here we go. Yeah. And then it was, I think it was April. It was April of after he was born. I was like, okay, I, I'm kind of chomping at the bit here to, to do some work. Yeah. I really, really want to. I don't know, just, I, I want to write something. I yeah. want to write anything. I don't know what, I don't know with who, but I just want to figure it out. So I just reached out to City Beat and I was like, hey, um, I'm a news writer. Can I freelance something for you? And uh, Maya Zumocho at the time was the editor in chief. She mm. calls me and she's like, yeah, you want to write about fentanyl? And I was like, sure. I was absolutely. just on it giving birth. Yeah. <laughs> like, <laughs> absolutely. On it as in, as in from the anesthesiologist. But yeah, yes, yeah. anyway. Um, <laughs> And uh, I ended up, they ended up being like, okay, like after initial discussions about what I was finding, they were like, we're going to make it the cover of this issue. It's, you know, there's such great information here. And then after I did that first 
cover story. They were like, do you want to work here like full time? And I was like, oh man, this is not at all the plan that I had. That's how it goes. And I That's came how home, it goes. I came home to my, my then fiance and I was like, I know that we talked about doing freelance and watching us, but we're going to need to find a full time babysitter because I'm going back to work right now. Yeah. And wow. so then we did. And now we're here we are. Oh my gosh. Well, this will be like such a great transition after talking about your birth story to talk about abortion rights. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> Oh, okay, so we have a few stories that yeah. we want to get in and share. Kind of like, it's pretty, I guess, for these in particular, we're going to talk about not just Cincinnati, but more broadly, the yeah. state of Ohio. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. And that's the thing is that when I got started, I, you know, I kind of, kind of eased my way into City Beat, did the freelance, and then I was part-time for about a month or so until, you know, we could get me back to, to full-time. And then, like, it was my first day being full-time is when the leak from oh, uh, SCOTUS yeah. happened. And uh, at that point, I mean, mind you, City Beat is, is a dominated, like, by women, right? So our at the time, almost our entire editorial team was all women. And wow. so we kind <clears> of <throat> were... were blown away. We had kind of known and had heard, because people have been trying to outlaw abortion in yes. one form or another and chipping away at that right for a very long time. Oh, and they so, played a long yeah, game. Yeah, and, and, and especially even locally, and that's something that I covered some at, at WCPO before, was in Lebanon, they had outlawed it on like a municipal, like local level. Oh. It was very interesting. Yeah, so I knew that if and when that fight got very real that Ohio was going to be one of those places where it was going to be a very tough battle. And so it all kind of happened quickly and we all got together in a meeting and we were like, how do we cover this? Yeah, Because at the time we knew that it was the Supreme Court was going to make a decision. We knew that it was probably based on the makeup of the court, especially because Amy Coney Barrett had been uh, appointed that it was, they were probably going to essentially eliminate the access to abortion nationally. And so we just decided we need to do a big cover spread about what that is going to look like, uh-huh. um, how that impacts people. What does abortion even look like? Like how do people get abortions? Yes. What, what people, who is getting abortions? Yes. Like who is this going to impact? Um, and how can people protect themselves? And so yeah. we did a big cover spread. I interviewed a, an abortion provider in, uh, actually out of Cleveland who mm. he has, he's not with Planned Parenthood. He's worked like with them before, but he, he just owns these, it's called preterm Cleveland owns a few clinics. And he just was someone who did not mince words. He was like, listen, here's the deal. Most people, when they get an abortion, it's with an abortion pill. Yeah. And, uh, the thing is that if you eliminate the safe access to that pill, it's going to create a black market for that pill. Right. And people aren't going to know when you have a black market for an item, you're not going to ever be able to be guaranteed that you're getting what you are asking for. Right. And it's actually two pills, right? Yes. It's a a two-step process. And so there's going to be a DIY element to abortions now, just like there was back in the day, except Uh, back in the day, it was like DIY surgical, right? And now now it's like DIY medical medical, medicine. Exactly. And so... The <clears throat> the implications of that were terrifying, yeah. and they still are. Um, but the the cover spread that we did at the time was really digging into um, how medically this was going to play out, and then also you know what efforts people politically were going to be making to to fight it. And so we've seen that play out a lot since. And actually, Hamilton County in particular, where um, a judge basically on a on a county level was able to block the the ban 
for the whole state essentially. Mm. And so, um, so yeah, what's it sta- What's today stands today. So currently abortion is still accessible in the state up until like the 22 week mark, the way that it was before, but that, uh-huh. it, that is going to, that it will end at some point when um, basically the state Supreme court is going to, th- that's the thing is that the state Supreme court has changed since the last election. Right. Mm-hmm. Um, it does now lean more conservative. And so right now it's kind of like looking at, okay, is it going to be the state Supreme court that is going to be kind of the decider on this, or is it going to be the voters? Because there's a big push right now to get a ballot initiative like we've seen in other States, like we saw in Kentucky Mm -hmm. with amendment two. And then like we've seen in other States where, um, and actually in other States, it was, uh, there were people who were basically arguing that it was an infringement on religious rights because the Jewish community for the most part does not view life as beginning at conception, but rather at first breath. And so um, there have been a lot of different ways that states have been able to get it on the the ballot. Uh And right now there's actually from on this, the state legislature level, they're trying to change the way or basically the threshold for adjusting the state's constitution so that if the state were to vote, it would be no longer just a simple majority. Like let's say 51 or 55 even percent of Ohioans were to vote essentially in favor for enshrining uh, abortion, abortion right access mm-hmm. um, in the state's constitution, it would still fail because it wouldn't be 60%. 60% would be the threshold for basically adjusting the state's constitution. Interesting. And that's no... Are there any polling numbers that suggest that we could get there? It's not a, well, the thing is that it's not even a popular idea to make that adjustment to the, to, to, to limit this basically like it's, it's a lot of the analysts that we've spoken with have said like, that's very purely like undemocratic. Like that's something that Republicans even are not exactly because that, that would apply not just to abortion that would apply to trying to amend the state constitution for anything. Yeah. 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 Right. You kind of open a door. Yeah. yeah, Like if you wanted to change the law on guns, if you wanted to change the law on anything else, like it's, it's a big, big can of worms. So um, right now there are a lot of, of people who are trying to get enough signatures in order to get the adjustment of, for the state constitution on the ballot. And that's just kind of where we're at. We're right now we're at a hurry up and wait kind of point. Mm. Um, but abortion access still is accessible in Ohio right now. However, when I did speak with, um, when I checked back in with Dr. Perkins from preterm Cleveland, uh, I mean, he was suggesting to people even still, which kind of has always really been his, his perspective as, as an abortion care provider, but also especially now that he says, when you have the slightest thought that you might be pregnant, and if you don't want to be, then you need to kind of move quickly on what you want to do, because there are some people who during, um, some moments when abortion access was in flux in Ohio, where people would be like, I came in for my initial appointment, it was confirmed, and then I decided, but then it was too late, I couldn't. So now he's, you know, saying like, if you, and they're, team, um, they actually opened up their clinic for an extra day. So everyone in his office, they're working six days a week now rather than seven so they can get as many people seen as possible so that way they don't have to have those tough conversations yeah. with people. Yeah, I remember like what it back in 2019, Planned Parenthood was like shutting down, opening up, yeah. shutting down. Like there was like so much 
mm-hmm. influx around what yeah. was happening there. Yeah, and a lot of that has <clears throat> to do with the the those like what we were talking about earlier, those small moments of chipping away at yep. abortion access before, which is creating laws about how there needs to be a, an emergency medical facility that is nearby that provides X, Y, and Z care and yeah. that you can get there via, you know, an ambulance, things like that. Um, and the, the whole thing with Just Lebanon, making it fucking hard. Making it super just, hard. Just super making fucking it so hard. hard. And, um, I mean, even before with the Lebanon thing, that, that a lot of people also don't realize that Mason almost essentially adopted a uh, a ban on abortions. Now, mind you, there was no abortion provider in Mason or in Lebanon. It was purely symbolic. However, mm. those bans, those ordinances, they, even though they were symbolic, they were, you could technically prosecute someone through, and what's crazy is that it would deputize other citizens to- Oh yeah, I love this part of it. Yeah, they you would- turn de- people into mm-hmm. like- yeah. Citizen police. Yeah. Just like narcs. <laughs> yeah. Narcs <laughs> reporting nar- on fucking yeah. abortions. It's crazy. And so, um, it, which is very interesting. It's through what's a legal uh, concept known as private right of action, um, where basically it's like if there's no um, agency that routinely monitors something that technically is able to be prosecuted, you as a citizen, it's almost like you're filing like a civil complaint, yeah. you know? And so it's, it's a hell of a process, that's for sure. And definitely, you know, you have to be a very passionate person to mm. want to go about that I can think of a couple other route. words besides passionate. Sure, but right. <laughs> um, but it raised a lot of questions about things like, because aid and abet, was mm. an aspect of it if you were to help someone get right. an abortion. Even you were an if you're Uber not. driver. Yes, Uber driver, <laughs> um, a counselor providing uh, like support. Emotional support, mm-hmm. yeah. Uh, of a friend helping someone make an appointment. Right. Um, a tech firm that uh, houses the uh, the servers where the appointment is made. Like oh, there's so yeah. many ways that you could <laughs> go about looking at it. And so in, in Lebanon, there was a an ACLU court case. Uh, it was, I think either end of last year or earlier this year, it's all bleeding together for me, honestly, but where, uh, they basically removed the, they convinced Lebanon to remove the aid and abet language from their ordinance, uh, in order to, to just kind of try and, and walk some of that back. Now they were going to have to end up going to court for it, where I think at that point, a judge, maybe a jury would have to decide whether or not that aid and abet language could stay. But Lebanon seemed to pretty quickly when the lawsuit was brought about, um, with the moderation of a judge decided, okay, we're just gonna, we're just gonna remove this language. We're just gonna take it off because it would have probably cost the city a Mm. lot in legal fees Mm -hmm. to even go about that case. Um, and, it's something that in Mason, where they almost uh, implemented the same ordinance, which was authored by the same people out sure. of Texas, it's mm. uh, of course. Right to Life Texas. Um, they are the ones that they kind of like as a service go around to yes. states. You can and cities. hire yeah. these people to finagle away to make abortions illegal. Yeah, it's, it's like they come to you and they're beautiful. like, "Hey, I've I've written this ordinance. It's basically like a plug and play. Like the ordinance language is written, but you can yes. plug in the the yes. basically the name of the city. Right. You know, and uh, there's a service that exists. Yeah. Yeah. Wow. Yeah. It basically, it's like a template yep, for removing yep, yep. your mm-hmm. right to reproductive freedom. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So, <laughs> um, awesome. Yeah. <laughs> 
And it's it's kind of in that same vein of like right like we were saying that chipping away those little pieces. Um, and now there's a lot of the same groups are just really working against these ballot initiatives in the states. Yeah. Um, trying to to fight that in any which way they they can to make sure it doesn't reach a ballot, whether it's via the changing of the the threshold for the constitution of what can make it to a ballot or yep. pass, um, or just lots and lots of technical legal jargon. Right. You just want to like annoy us to death with it. Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah. So you said we're at this kind of hurry up and wait situation yes. for like next steps or like what could come next. Yeah. I, I think that, I think it's going to be really interesting. Is it hopeful future? Is it a, you know, I, I'd future? say so because in all of the other States where it's entered the ballot and ultimately the, the, the priority for, reproductive care access has prevailed. Yeah. That has the been people the case. are speaking. Even in Kentucky, right? Yeah. So I think that that is still... Now, granted, it's it still is a requirement that you have a legislature that's going to be willing to have the laws in place that, you know, are supported by that amendment that you would make to the Constitution. But I think that even if we're not feeling it immediately based on on a lot of, of the analysis that I would hear from other people I'd interview, it, it seems like there's a lot of, of slow growth that's mm. going to come from this because this is an issue that all of the polling shows is, is Republicans want access to abortion on the whole. Yeah. Democrats, I mean, it's... Yes, it's, it's, it's a human issue. <laughs> it is, and it's something that I think will eventually bear out, but in mm-hmm. Ohio with it being a heavily gerrymandered state mm. where the Republicans are able to retain control a lot easier than in some other states. Yep. Um, it can be a little bit harder, but yeah. again, like we also have a very young generation that is watching all of this happen before their eyes right. and they're going to be able to start voting soon. And yeah. so who knows? Right. Right. What were you, what were we talking about vasectomies before we yeah. started recording? So What's one of the on? stories that I did um, when I was covering abortion initially last year was, uh, was about the rise in vasectomy appointments that were being made right, like right after Roe was overturned. Yeah. Every single like girlfriend, wife is yeah. like, uh, yep, you're going to make that call, something. man. Yeah. Uh-huh. <laughs> and I thought it was fascinating because a lot of people have heard the joke that's like on the office about like about you know you told me to get a vasectomy and then you said you wanted to have children and then I got it reversed and then you said you didn't want to have children and then I got the snip again and snip snap snip snap so I think that there's this kind of common idea that you're like oh you can just get a vasectomy reversed so if you want to get your vasectomy now and then have children eventually you can do that so I wanted to really find out if that was true yes and so I spoke with a vasectomy provider and then also a vasectomy reverser because Mm. you would think that they're maybe the same because it's you know a urologist Maybe yeah. they would do the same thing. Um, but for the most part, those urologists who provide vasectomies don't love reversing them because they very much so urge people when they're getting vasectomy to consider it permanent. Okay. That That is something that they say it's difficult to get it reversed. It's expensive to get it reversed because... Uh, most insurance providers do not cover it. They'll cover the vasectomy. They cover, so insurance providers will cover a vasectomy. Yes. But they won't cover the reversal. Because the vasectomy, I mean, think about it, it's going to save the insurer money. Right. You don't, you're not, yeah. 
There's you not know? a child then to put on the plan. Exactly. Yeah. Um, but a reversal, it's kind of like, all right, now you're doing this for a reason. Yeah. There's going to yeah. be more costs down the road. Um, and so, and it, it can be expensive. I think it's like, I don't know, it can be like eight to 10,000 maybe. To um, get one? No, to get reversed. Oh, to get reversed. The rever- get one, I think it's actually not too bad, like cost wise from what I understand. Like out of pocket. Might I, not I be don't too remember bad. off the top of my head, but it's pretty, it's not too bad. But yeah. the, um, and to get it, actually, the vasectomy actually done is not too bad. It's pretty quick. But the reversal, what's interesting about it is it's it's a very highly specialized trade. It's something that it very there's not a whole lot of vasectomy reversal doctors out there. Okay, um, and it is a highly like delicate, very like mi- like microscopic. Like well, you're, yeah, because you're like they're the tubes are like like clamped, right? Yeah. So there's, it depends on, uh, the thing is that when you get a vasectomy or reversal, and I'm going just off sheer memory from this story right now, um, is that you don't know what the route is going to be until you get in there and you wait to see what kind of fluid is, uh, being produced from, um, I believe it's the vas deferens okay. is the name Sounds of it. Right, right to me. And so you either have to do like basically it's like there's one of two connections that you can do to make it work. Um, and it's very highly specialized training that you have to seek on your own. I guess if you're in urology yeah. school, like not all urologists go through this training. Got it, got when it. They're like in a urology school. It's a yeah. very specific specialty. Um, but it's, it's much more, uh, the outcome is a lot better than some people would think. So even the, the, uh, the vasectomy reversal doctor I spoke to and I, I asked him, I was like, well, you know, do you see a lot of people who come to you saying, well, I got the vasectomy because I didn't want to have kids, uh, but now I do and we're doing it. And he said it it was always, it's usually yes, but they never ever planned on having it reversed in the first place. It would be that they got into a new marriage or they got, yes. Okay. You know, there was this, whatever experience changed their life and now they want a child. Right. Um, but I, you know, he's prepared for the possibility that down the road because of this post row world, that there could be more people that say, all right, I'm here for my planned and always foreseen Right, because it's shifting a little bit now. They're looking at it more as a form of temporary birth control, as like a woman would have an IUD in for up to eight years, Mm -hmm. and then they're saying, "Okay, well, we'll get it snipped for." Yeah, and I mean, and with, I mean, I man, I I think that it's it's birth control has always fallen onto the responsibility of of women, right? Like overwhelmingly for forever, and so I think that with vasectomy vasectomies and vasectomy reversals from what I mean let me just make this very clear I am not giving medical advice I am not a doctor (laughs) I just absolutely not but um it's a lot of the risks associated with that don't to me at least sound that much riskier than what some women go through uh what some people with uteruses go through when they react poorly to an IUD or when they have uh, you know, d- complications from the injectable birth control. I will tell you that shit hurts. Oh my God. Yeah. Like a motherfucker. Mm-hmm. Oh, there's I, no anesthesia. Nothing. There's no Vicodin. Mm-hmm. There's no, <laughs> they're like, take a couple Advil. Oh. I'm like, bitch, I take a couple Advil <laughs> when I feel a shadow of a menstrual cramp. Yes. Like you're literally in. I can totally hear the man that <laughs> delivered my baby saying that. Like I can, <laughs> that is, that feels very on brand for him. But uh, yeah, no, it's, it's, I think that it's not something that 
it, it's it's drastic. It's drastic to think, okay, I'm going to get a vasectomy, and then when we're ready to have children, I'm gonna get it reversed, and that's our yeah. plan. That is drastic, but we are in drastic times. Right. I know. I heard. I don't know if this is true. I don't know if it was like a clickbaity type of situation that there was some form of male birth control developed, I but then it too. caused some like side effects that were undesirable. Oh, no, not a side effect. <laughs> so they just stopped it. Not a side effect. Yeah. God, we wouldn't know anything about that with birth control. No, birth control is like literally poison for women. But no. um, do, you, mean, do you know, can you confirm or deny that? You don't know? I literally, I, oh, about the, um, the birth, yeah. The, for the male birth control. I, yeah. heard, I had heard the same thing. And I think that it's, I, that's the thing about, um, about talking about, side effects in medicine is that side effects in medicine, I feel like get so much headline coverage when it does apply to men. But with women in a lot of cases, it's kind of like, Oh, like that's the price you pay Mm -hmm. for this thing that you want. Yeah. And I mean, the, the, the lengths that, that people with uteruses who have periods and have the capacity to get pregnant will go through to, to control the reproductive, you know, autonomy. And then you're just like, but man, like it it would be so great if it would be so much easier to tell someone to wear a condom. I don't know. (laughs) Right. Have you heard that comedian who says, she's like, I don't know if you know this, but getting a, millennial man to wear a condom is like asking a child to put a rain jacket over their Halloween costume. <laughs> They're, <laughs> they look at you and they say, no, you're going to ruin it. You yeah. can't even see it. Oh my God. You know? And oh so, Oh my God. Yeah. Yeah. No, I, if there is that. a birth control option out there for men, I highly recommend that they just keep looking into that. I'm not saying you have to rush it to market. Or, but you know, what we could do is like just educate the population, men and women, on how our bodies work biologically and mm-hmm. understand when we actually can get pregnant and when we can't and to look for those signs and to track your site. And like yeah. all of that could be avoided. Well, and and the the whole concept of self-managed abortions, I think too is, is fascinating because the medication abortions in a lot of cases, depending on the timeline of your cycle, depending on, on when your pregnancy is confirmed by a doctor are able to be conducted at home if you're able to get that prescription. Mm-hmm. There, That's another one of those ways that a lot of the Republicans who are very pro-life have been trying to, to limit that access is by right. outlawing the ability to right. have uh, telehealth appointments to get those prescriptions, about having those prescriptions delivered, about being able to fill yeah. them at certain pharmacies. I mean, we're seeing in California, you know, the governor is basically saying, bye, Walgreens, if you're not going to fill prescriptions uh, for mifepristone and misopristol, then you're we're going to find a way to get you out of here. And so I think that knowing how to have a system that, it, I mean, it's really just about making sure that people stay safe yeah. because right. it's it can be scary to manage your own abortion, but it's only scary if you don't have the support of the system around you, yeah. which obviously right now isn't guaranteed. Yeah. Everyone stay tuned to City Boot for Madeline filling us in on any changes yeah oh my gosh of course we're keeping a sharp eye and we'll keep you absolutely posted and if you ever need to to rage click on an abortion story we pretty much usually have something up almost every day so um okay what else you got for me what else we what else are we going to talk about today well we had talked about drugs a little bit earlier i think that might be interesting to chat about i think so too because that is one i mean at least 
for me, for you, like we have friends that are, you know, just, for me, I feel like it comes so much out of like people in OTR, Mm -hmm. industry workers, Mm -hmm. like that, you know, every other, every six months, it feels like I hear of someone else and it's just completely heartbreaking. Yeah. I mean, terrifying. I, that, you know, with it being my first story, um, for city B, I learned a ton about in that moment about what, how, just how unpure or just, you know, adulterated the drug supply is, uh, and just how, how pervasive fentanyl is in, in bulking up some of those party drugs like cocaine and, Adderall and put, Ketamine. put in tablets. Exactly. I mean, there's, there's a million different which ways that fentanyl can be wormed into a, yeah. a, the local drug supply. And yeah. And people, you know, people are shy to talk about their cocaine use. People exactly. are shy to talk about their ketamine use, but no one's afraid to talk about taking an Adderall. Right. And right. it can very easily get mm-hmm. into that as well. Yeah. And I think that, uh, what was really interesting in my research, when talking to harm reduction specialists and like learning what harm reduction really is, um, is just how much of the harm reduction community are people who either used to be, or, you know, kind of struggling with substance abuse disorders themselves, or are people who have had very close friends who have died of an overdose. And the makeup of who dies of an overdose, I think is a, um, there's an image that people have in their mind about who that, you know, quote type of person is like, they think it's someone who is potentially unhoused or they think it's someone who has had a lifelong struggle with something or is seeking things like heroin and whatnot. When really it can be someone who's like, Hey, I am just getting off of work and I am, I have a buddy in town that I'm going to meet up at this bar and haven't seen them in a long time. The buddy is like, Hey, I've got a little bit of some, something fun here. Do you want to go to the bathroom? It's a bachelorette party. It's a bachelor party. It's a birthday party. Yep. And then you it's don't know. It's a divorce know. party. Yep. Whatever. Like. <laughs> you don't. It's a Friday. It, like, yes. Yes. You don't know what's in yes. there. And then people will hit the floor. And <clears throat> people, especially in those circumstances who, if they are a casual drug user or they've never used drugs, um, might not know what to do in that moment. Right. Because they're like, okay, this person, I'm just, I'm doing something illegal. Right. right. In this bath, in this public place at right. this bar. Right. And my friend just hit the floor. I don't know what to do. And so before. Um, the drug, I feel like it was a, maybe there's some bars that were doing this a few years ago, but it's very recently where bars started carrying Narcan Mm -hmm. and Loxone, Narcan is the name brand, uh, to help those people out and training their bar staff on how to use it and deploy it and and what to do next. So smart. It's, it's fascinating. I, I really, um, I, I, I've been loving seeing when I go to bars, how not only do peep bars have it, they have it out in the open. Like I think it's at Mecca. It's like, you know, it's all, it's like on the bar shelf. With yeah. Like it's like bourbon, tequila, vodka, yeah. Narcan, yeah, yeah. gin. Like it's like right there. And it's, it's kind of great because when you need it, you need it now. Right. You know, how does it work? How does it administered? It's, um, in the nose, almost oh, kind nose. of like a, yeah. uh, like nasal a, spray yeah. or something. And yeah. so the, and the thing that's great about, Narcan from what I learned I actually interviewed his name's Noam Bernard he is a uh, he's a harm reduction specialist for a local harm reduction group where he trains bars and he trains I mean you could like let's say you have a 
uh, an, an, an office, a law office, it doesn't matter, it could be any office, and you're like, hey, I would like for my team to know how to deploy yeah. Narcan, yeah. just in case they ever need to know how to do yeah. that. They'll come to you, and they'll do a group training, and they'll give you Narcan, they'll give wow. you fentanyl test strips, so you can test see, your products. See, that's, that's where I come from, and when I, you know, talk to friends, or mm-hmm. I think, and I'm like, just... We got to just get, get some testing, right? Like it's, yeah. it seems like such a, like the easiest solution in my mind. Like yeah. if you yeah, can do your drugs, you know, people are going to do drugs. Cocaine's been around for a long time. It's not going anywhere. Mm-hmm. Now testing, can, it's, it's, it's a great solution. And it's, what's wonderful is when bars will have the test strips in their bathrooms, right? So that way, if you're with your friends. Oh, I didn't even think of, yeah, yeah. I mean, that's incredible. It's kind of like having the tampon right there. Exactly. Yeah. Oh my gosh, exactly. I mean, before, um, what was it called? OTR Chili before they closed, right? They actually, it was when I was working on the story, I went in there and I saw in their bathroom, they had a sign on the mirror that just said, uh, fentanyl test strips available in the top drawer. Opened it up and they're right there. And so you can, you know, test your stuff right then and there and kind of know. The problem that is, I mean, they're, they're imperfect in the sense that with the problem with fentanyl is that in a batch of cocaine, it's, you can, let's say, push a little bit of it to this one side and then a little bit to this side. And there could be more fentanyl in one part versus another. Right. Oh, so gotcha. testing can be imperfect, but it's still a, a fantastic additional layer of support. Yeah. So having no matter what access to Narcan is important, but also just learning from all everyone that I interviewed, how important it is to not do drugs alone. I think that's yeah. the scariest thing is that if someone does drugs alone and they overdose, that's they're, it. They're, you're, you know, you have no fighting chance unless someone finds you. So even if you are don't have Narcan, you don't have fentanyl test strips, and you know you gotta at least have a buddy. Yeah. What wh- do they know? Why this is happening? So that's a, that's kind of the million dollar question. Yeah. I, a lot of it is because it's a cheap way to bulk up the supply right. of an otherwise expensive drug. Right. Um, there are a lot of, uh, I think a big re- Republican talking point is, you know, the the need to close the border because fentanyl oh, is being yeah. funneled in from Mexico, which is being produced in China. And there is a lot of truth to mm-hmm. that as far as the the supply chain of, of fentanyl. However, there was also you know, a lot of, uh, there was a big jump in overdoses during the pandemic when borders were very tightly closed. And so there were people saying like, hey, I think a lot of people at that point were starting to just manufacture it domestically in order to bulk up their supply because their supply for things that typically do come from over the border yeah. come from abroad like cocaine yeah um you know you you people weren't getting pure stuff from bogota yeah, anymore right. <laughs> they were like i have this tiny bit of cocaine but if i can you know bulk it up with you know us made fentanyl then i can keep my my job going or whatever um that is a theory that a lot of people had too so i think that it's it's definitely an issue that is not necessarily siloed to one particular country to point the blame to. Yeah. A lot of it is, is really just about bulking up the supply. And a lot of it, when I spoke recently um, with a harm reduction specialist from SOAR, which we definitely should talk about, they are a fantastic resource. Um, she was saying that it's also for some, depending on the, the dealer you're getting things from, um, they they kind of want to create in some cases the perfect 
quote unquote perfect drug addict, someone who is going to become very addicted to something very quickly and come back for more often. Because it does seem like you don't want to kill your customer. Right. You definitely don't want to kill <laughs> no. your customer. But you want to, it seems Keep like from what back. she was telling me, yeah, you want to hook them onto something very quickly, which if you, depending on the, the level of fentanyl in a drug, you could. Um, SOAR is an, an amazing resource based out of Columbus that was actually started, I believe, by OSU students. And it is an app and also, I believe, a phone number basically that you can text uh, to let them know about an adulterated drug supply. So like, let's say someone's at a bar in OTR and they are like, okay, we just bought a bag yep. off of this random person or even a person we knew or whatever it might be. And as soon as we did this, someone, you know, started to do a line of this Coke or whatever. It's, someone had an overdose. They can text that SOAR number or like report it in the SOAR app and say, OTR, this area of OTR. I've seen like alerts mm -hmm. out. Yes, they send alerts out. And so then SOAR will send out an alert to everyone saying, hey, this is what we're seeing in this area. This is the color. This is the consistency of mm, the, the baggies of the that's ba coming in. Exactly. Yeah. This is yeah. how it's packaged so that you can know, you know, hey, like if you're going to buy drugs, try at least to avoid what looks and seems like this or yeah. if you're in this area yeah. um, because it's most likely adulterated. They also are pretty good about trying to understand what it might be cut with. And it's so far or lately, it's not just been fentanyl. It's been xylazine. What is this? Xylazine is uh, also known as the zombie drug because oh it has the ability. It's actually not an opiate. Does it opiate. make people eat people? No, it doesn't make anyone eat anyone. Okay. Um, but it can cause someone to develop flesh-eating like wounds. So these basically these like large patchy wounds that, in some cases, depending on your frequency and like potency of use, can like stick with you for a very long time. It's something that can really look and feel like, you know, you have this, like your, your skin like is eating itself. Like you're decaying, like kind of alive. Oh, God. There was this person that I spoke with from SOAR. She uh, was very worried about xylazine. Um, she also said that, you know, she herself had struggled, uh, has struggled with substance abuse disorder and has come from a family that has struggled with substance abuse disorder. She was telling me that her mom, um, who had been a heroin user for a long time, um, who had most recently gone into to treatment and is doing great, which is wonderful, but that when she went in for treatment, that apparently they, they test you when you yeah. go in because they have to make sure that you're, quote, yeah. dirty. That's yeah. her word, basically making sure that you are testing positive. Um, yeah. Because there is, I believe, a level of, I, I don't remember the name of it, but it's like a level of treatment to like help you avoid... Um, uh, withdrawing or withdrawing or, yeah. or suffering from your withdrawal so much. So you're kind of having like a, a managed kind of bring down yes. sort of there. Yes. Um, but they have to make sure that the, the drugs are in your system to begin with. And when they tested her, even though she was like a lifelong or, or a prolonged heroin user, uh, that she tested positive for everything but heroin. <gasps> Right. So when you're going out and you're buying a batch of anything, you have to assume at this point, yeah. like the, the, the likelihood you're getting something totally pure is so rare yeah. anymore um, that you just have to be prepared. Whether you're getting something as, you know, you know, 
as hard as heroin or as what some people might consider to be so casual as cocaine or even a tablet of Adderall that you think is Adderall because right. that's what someone's telling you. Right. But you're not seeing it come from a prescription bottle with yeah. someone's name on it that right. has the prescription like written on it. And yeah. even then, who knows? Um, there's a lot of different ways that a lot of different drugs can kind of creep in. Um, but the beautiful thing about Narcan, even though, uh, you know, Narcan unfortunately does not work for the reversal of xylazine because oh. it's not technically an opiate. Yeah. Um, in the case of fentanyl, it is, you can never, like that, this is something that gave me a lot of courage to use Narcan on someone that I actually found, uh, overdosing, um, on the sidewalk at Finley Market. Oh once. my gosh. Yeah. It was the, the craziest thing. Cause it was not too long after I had done that story. And I, luckily I went into that, that wine shop that yeah. is, that's right there. Um, yeah. the wine market. I yeah. just popped my head in. It's like Jill's or I, 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 I think I've always just called it the wine market. I don't yeah. know. Okay. But I just popped yeah. my head in and I was like, hi, does anyone have any Narcan? I just kind of like yelled it to the room and I definitely got some very weird looks and I totally yeah. understand. Uh, but the person behind the bar very quickly was like, yeah, we do. And they yeah. kind of tossed me a pack and I went up to the person who was, Wow, um, you're like overdosing the perfect person to like have be in the situation. You just like oh, talk I just, to these <laughs> specialists and coaches and like. Oh, I know. I'm so lucky, honestly, yeah. that I had gone through that because otherwise yeah. I would have no idea what to do. Right. Gave them the Narcan, and the thing that's great about Narcan is you can't give someone like too much. Mm. There's no, you can't overdose on yeah. Narcan. Um, it might not be comfortable sure. to receive Narcan because it is a nasal spray, and that's yeah. going to be uncomfortable with a lot of nasal sprays. But um, you can go ahead and just pump someone with a few spritzes of Narcan and you can know like, okay, I'm not hurting them. I'm yeah. definitely not hurting them. I could be helping them. And then, you know, someone else had called 911 at that point. So they were fine. The, the, one of the scariest parts of that experience wasn't just that, you know, I was worried that this person might die. They ended up being totally fine. Mm. Uh, that was, which is great. But that when I looked up, there was a stranger holding my baby <laughs> because oh. Logan had been holding Gus in that moment. And Logan passed Gus off to a stranger so he could call 911. Oh. And <laughs> this stranger, luckily she was holding Gus and she was like, wow, uh, where do she asked you? She's like, where can I find out how to, to carry that stuff? And I was like, I'll tell you all about it, but can that's my baby. Can yeah. I have my, my son back? Um, and then I had to have a chat with Logan about handing off our child. I'm sure like a, a, adrenaline <laughs> is like running. That's like a very high stress situation. Yeah, yeah for sure. That it, it's terrifying to me. It really is. It's yeah. really a scary situation. I've, we've, I've talked about just, you know, it's, we freely talk about drug use on this podcast Yeah, and I've said all the time, like, if you have never done cocaine, don't fucking do it. It's not worth it. It's certainly, it's, it's just not like they, people make it seem like it's glamorous and it's fun. It's like this party thing. You're yeah. very cute, cool. And it's casual. It's just never as good as you want it to be. I, yeah. And it's, it's something that I can say for sure, especially now. Like, I mean, it, I think it'd be one thing if someone, um, I think that the confidence that what you have is safe and that you're going to have a good time is, can overshadow the reality of yeah. the fact that you probably don't have a safe product and you're probably not going to have a good time. Yeah. That's what I'm saying. Like if you, you know, for those people who are like, oh man, I missed my cocaine era. Like just be happy. And also it's did. a, di it's a different era. It's things yes. are more adulterated now than ever. And so 
You know, it's like if you're if your cocaine days back in the day were full of lots of pure cocaine and great times or something, you know what? I'm glad cool. you have that Good memory. Yes. That's great. There are a lot of people who it was I can't it turned think, into a nightmare. I can't think of times that I did cocaine where I looked back and it was like core memory. <laughs> Best time. <laughs> I had so much fun. I'm so happy that I did. I never woke up in I've never, Madeline, woke yeah. up in the morning and been like Damn, I'm, I'm glad we did that cocaine. Yeah, last everything, night. every decision that I made doing that was great. Everything I did after I did it was great. Um, no. Yeah, no, there's absolutely no way. Um, no. I, I myself have been on, um, I've been prescribed Adderall since I was six years old, and so I have been. I just, I have a whole host of learning disabilities, and so I've just been. I have been medicated for a very long time, and so I've always been kind of weary of adding a layer of anything else on yeah. top of that because I would afraid my heart would explode. Yeah, you no, know? for sure. It may, it mean it, 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 it very could. well could. Yeah. So I yeah. mean, if I had any other, you know, incentive to not do it, I just this alone. But also the thing that I think is so. Um, Real, it's 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 nice to be realistic with people because in a lot of cases, especially in a party atmosphere, when yeah, someone is being offered something, you know the the temptation to say yes is so so huge, and I absolutely understand it. And I think that's something when I do the reporting on drug use is that I see a lot of people in comments um, who will say things like, "Well, just don't do drugs. Well, just don't do this. Well, just don't do that." And I'm like, okay, that's great that you have that thought with you in the middle of the day while you're looking at the story on your phone while you're at your office or in your bed at home or whatever when you're at a party when you're in a bar when you've already been drinking when you're you know uh, your inhibitions are already completely you know altered when you have someone who you know and love and trust and yeah. trust telling you to do something oh I, it's a different ball game like when I talked about this in the podcast before, we went this whole, we did this whole bit, right? This whole cocaine's not worth it. Don't do it. Who mm -hmm. cares? It's not even fun, blah, blah, blah. And the next thing was like, but if we were out tonight and someone offered, we'd probably do a line. <laughs> like it's just, it, yeah. it does, like that is the reality of it. It yeah. doesn't make sense. It's not logical. It's not smart. But like that is how humans operate sometimes. It is. And that's why I'm just so glad that the bars in the area have become, have really equipped themselves to handle as best as they can when a scary situation does happen. Yeah, because that it, is good to know. It is it is being used yeah. 100%. The strips are being used. The yeah. Narcan is being used. Yep. It's not a symbolic thing. Right. It is a tool. No, it seems like, yes, very just necessary. Mm -hmm. Like that's, that's it. Necessary. Yeah, absolutely. I was, and actually this might be a good segue. I don't know if you're yes. ready to segue into our other story. About, yeah, let's hear it. Speaking of bars about uh, this amazing uh, drag bar that I went to yeah, recently yeah, yeah. in Monroe. Um, this is kind of about the story that we're doing about rural drag queens and their Amazing. thoughts and opinions about the, all of the recent onslaught of cultural panic around surrounding drag. Can, can we talk about where that cultural panic is coming from? Because I, I see it, right? So mm -hmm. just to give you a background on like my media consumption habits, yeah, my please. patterns, my behaviors. I listen every single morning. I listen to NPR The Daily and mm -hmm. I, or NPR um, First Up. Oh, yeah. And The New York Times The Daily, mm -hmm. those two. My partner, Charlie, is obsessed, I think is, is fair to say, with the news cycle. Yeah. With all media outlets. We watch, we watch Rachel Maddow mm -hmm. almost, you know, weekly. 
Um, he's got Newsmax, Fox, MSNBC. Like he gets the whole range because yeah. he's just really into. He treats American politics like people treat Bravo. <laughs> well, honestly, it's like if you're gonna stay up to date on anything, first of all, it's a it is a a reality show that will never let up. So you exactly. absolutely are never gonna. Be it short is on like content. his app. He doesn't watch football. Yeah. He doesn't watch reality, but politics. Yeah, he's in. He's in deep. So. I see so much. I hear so much. But sometimes I like to kind of pick and choose where I put my attention. I can't get too deep. I got to, you know, mm-hmm. depending on where the mood is. So, of course, I've been seeing all this, yeah. frankly, bullshit, right, about the drag yes. shows and queens. And I'm like, why? No, I know. Like, why? Yeah, it's it, it really... Does a it lot make of, sense? A lot of it stems from... I. Th- it starts with... Well, most recently, a law in Tennessee that was passed that outlaws drag performances before an audience of people who are below the age of 18. Um, The way that the the law, which is so broadly written... um, What below 18-year-olds going to a drag show? Well, and and that's the thing is that there have been, as drag has entered the mainstream because of the popularity and proliferation of things like RuPaul, which, I mean, has been around... And because they're really fun. Oh, yeah. Yeah. I mean, (laughs) definitely. That's no convincing for me. But I think that it's when, you know, there's more what people would consider to be kind of in your face, quote unquote, in your face representations of the gay community, which I think that is what people who are not in favor of rights within the queer community would consider drag to be an in your face representation of something that they do not like. Mm. Um, That is kind of like we were talking about with the abortion talk. It's like, how can we chip away at that in a, in a, Yes. small way that is actually yes. you know feasible for us and a way that people have been Got chipping it. away at the rights of others uh for a long time has been via children right because mm. children are a you know in their minds a, a vulnerable vulnerable group uh just like how in abortion rights people want to protect the unborn yes. who can't quote speak for themselves things like that yes um they're trying to protect quote children from uh what they consider to be sex shows yes um <laughs> because in their mind a a drag queen performing, which I don't, I mean, I don't know how many of these audience members have been to a drag show, probably a decent number, just knowing who would, you know, be listening to this podcast. Yeah. Um, but m- there's hardly, depending on the drag show you're going to, there's really hardly ever even like nudity. It's, it's costumes. It's, it can be sexually yeah, suggestive. Not nudity. No, yeah. it can be sexually suggestive at times sure. for sure. But like, what isn't anymore? Exactly. You know? And so I think that when, but there is also, I mean, Drag is such a broad range mm-hmm. of of different types, and there's subgenres. There's yep. there's I mean there's family friendly drag, and that's kind of where a lot of this comes from. That will happen at some drag brunches or at these like reading like parades library story yeah, hours yeah, parades, yeah. Yeah. where you know drag queens are like channeling Elsa from Disney yes. or you know like a different princess or creating their own character and just providing to the illusion and the fantasy and the whimsical magical fun it is theater that it is performance is children's is- theater exactly <laughs> yeah. and but because it in their mind and in their words of these lawmakers as a quote like biological male dressing up as a female and performing that is inherently sexual and so that is something that is has really riled up a lot of far-right groups um in so in Tennessee you know that law 
um, you know, hit. And there have been a lot of, of people, especially in, you know, Nashville, where there are tons of yeah. bars where there are drag performers. I mean, there's bachelorette part. I mean, it's like yeah. the bachelorette capital it of, is, the country. of the world. Yeah. Of the world. Of probably. the world. Exactly. Um, and there is a, a queen that when I went to this drag bar in Monroe, and let me pull back for a moment and talk, tell you about this bar. Yeah. Because it, to me, is like the most, probably one of the best kept secrets in the entire tri-state. Wow. It is a... This is breaking news right it here. It truly <laughs> is. <laughs> it is a rural dive drag bar. And when I say rural, Monroe has kind of sprang up a, to be a lot more uh, suburban. And the area itself that it's in, you know, there's... Uh, you know, a, there's a Kroger down the street and there's a, you know, a, there's a business here and a shop there. But yeah. when the bar was initially, you know, started, when the building was built, there mostly was corn surrounding this, this area uh -huh. for sure. Um, and the area itself, I mean, when you think about a, a drag club and they're mostly, usually they tend to be in metropolitan areas, right? They tend to be in Cincinnati, yes. Dayton. Yes. Dayton was a huge mecca for the drag community before Club Mask closed. Oh. That was a big, big deal. And so this bar is in between Dayton and Cincinnati and is kind of like this like secret little island in between wow. the two. And when you walk into this bar... It is, I love a dive bar. Yeah. I am like, I want to be buried in a dive yeah. bar. I absolutely am, like when I was living in Texas, a Texas dive bar is my heaven on earth. If mm. I could ever have a basement that I could make my own, I will, I'm like, I want a man cave that I can make look like a dive That's bar. That's how I basement. feel about like shitty diners. Yes. Like the pepper pot. Like the I pep love pepper pot. You can smoke in there. I know. <laughs> I spent the first day of 2023 there. That's where I got oh, yeah, my sure. first breakfast of the year. Oh, <laughs> that is, I see, I love that. And this place. Like Tucker's when it was. <laughs> yes. I mean, this is a place where when you walk in, you're like, okay, I know I can't smoke in here, but I know for a long time you could. Yeah. <laughs> I know for a long time you could. And there's like a pool table. There's like neon bar signs. There's a, there's a small TV in the corner playing either sports or like the Simpsons or yeah, you know what I mean? Yeah. There's, um, it, like it's when, dark. It's, it's dark. They when, haven't cleaned the floor in I a decade. I'm, I'm, if I'm remembering correctly, I believe there's like a thin layer of green old carpet on the ground. Yeah, you yeah, know? yeah. Yes. Um, the, the system for setting up your tab is like coat check. Like you mm. give them your card and they give you a piece of paper with your name on it. Mm. And then you go back up to do that because it's just, it's what works for them. <laughs> um, it's, you know, it's, it's it's the kind of place where everything is is dusty and old, not not shitty, but just like very lived in, and nothing's yeah. ever changed, and it's wonderful. And then you know you're sitting there and you're waiting for these shows to start, and the crowd, the community that's there, is one of the most diverse communities in a single place I've ever seen. Wow. I'm talking like it just. People from all over the area, people from all walks of life, from all different spectrums and colors of every, you know, identity that you could ever imagine. And I, I met this drag queen who she owns a bar in Tennessee, a drag club in Tennessee that she said was even way more rural than this one. Whoa. And when the, the law came down about limiting drag performances, she immediately put it on the market. She was oh. like, I'm selling it. I can't do this anymore for my own mental health oh, because this yeah. is just, 
she's like, I know that the law itself isn't going to affect us because we don't have like family inclusive like drag performances like that. It wouldn't really necessarily yeah, apply. But the energy that you know is coming. Well, yeah, yeah, and just knowing that it's that you have people who are so actively like yes. working to to chip away and find ways to stop you from what you're doing. Yeah. For some people, they they find that um, opposition like you know energizing and they just keep going but right. it's very understandable why it would be very mentally draining yeah absolutely yeah. yeah um and then i i spoke with which was honestly like my one of my favorite interview moments of my life is i i introduced myself to this uh this pair of people sitting up um, by the bar and i found out it was a mother and her son she had brought her 18 year old son to this bar uh, because she was like, look, you know, this is my son. He is queer and he has lost most of his uh, defining social years of his life to the pandemic. Oh, God. Right? Because, you know, I keep forgetting sometimes that, especially like high school age kids, like a senior You're in almost, high school yeah, now, yeah. almost their entire high school experience right. has been with COVID. Right? Yes. And so, you know, he was, she was saying like, you know, basically he's like, uh, the only other way I can really meet people like me is yeah. on the internet. And right. I don't want to just do that. Like I'm right. tired of, of wow. doing everything virtually. I want to yes. be in the world. Wow. One in a million kid there. Oh my God. One <laughs> in a million mom. Yeah, she's yeah, just yeah. like, I'm just going to bring my son here. Yeah. And, uh, he's, I mean, he's, she's like, he's 18. He's not drinking. He was sitting there. He was drinking a Sprite and is waiting for the show. Just oh, being yeah. so adorable. Yeah. And, um, yeah, I asked her, I was like, well, there's probably a lot of people out there who would have not very nice things to say about the fact that you're doing Brilliant. this. Yeah. And she was like, Oh yeah. Like my dad and his wife are going to be coming to town here in a week. And I'm sure they're going to tell me that I'm going to burn in hell for this. Yeah. Oh. And I don't care. Like yeah. I don't care. It's what, you know, I just, I'm going to support my kids and who they are and that's what we're going to do. And so that's the kind of audience, like, and the different types of people that we'd see there. We had the most amazing photographer come with us. Our photography intern, Aiden, he is so talented his work is so cinematic mm. and gorgeous I mean he I, I I think that news photography oftentimes can get a little bit uh stifled and a lot less creative not not all news photography like yeah. it's just when I when there's you're in, not a, a lot of opportunity to be no. creative or you don't think of it that way and like in broadcast it's all very quick point and shoot there are definitely some people in broadcast who can make the most of the limitations and make beautiful work happen but it's been very cool to have such a dedicated, creative challenge and experience and being able to just like really lean into it. Aiden, he, uh, you know, we were backstage with the Queens in a, in a backstage area that is honestly, it's significantly smaller than the room that we're mm -hmm. in now. Like it's the size of a closet yeah. and there's shit everywhere. There's just costumes and wigs and boots and bags full of cash and glitter and yes. uh, just, uh, just everything you could ever imagine. And three queens, all of them getting ready with like big feather, like Vegas showgirl style, yes. you know, uh, I would love to know what that's called. I, 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 I Googled it. I did. There's not a word. Nope. It's just, it's a, it's a, or maybe there is, but it's like a, just a Vegas showgirl. Yes. Like, I know exactly what you, you know mean. What it's like, the, it's almost like a flamingo and it's like a, like a peacock. It's a peacock, exactly. It's like a yeah. big peacock feather, feather thing. thing. So, and then then there's Aiden and I. We are just trying to minimize our bodies as much yeah. as possible in the corner to make room for everyone. And we're getting some of the best pictures and interview moments of our lives. And we're just both like so excited and energized. And the pictures 
are stunning because he was shooting through, um, in a lot of cases, because the room was so small, he was shooting through a, like a dirty old mirror, right? That was, had years of hairspray and just dust and glitter kind of built up. And like, I'm sure even if you tried to clean that mirror, it's just, you're never going to get down to that first layer. And I, I'm so glad that you couldn't because it gave the, the end product this like film grainy yes like, like a silky look yeah almost, blurred and, yeah oh my god very popular on instagram right now oh yes yeah. absolutely <laughs> and it's just so pure and so beautiful and it felt and it was just really he just truly captured the the energy of the environment and the queens getting ready backstage i mean there's they, it looks like it's from like a I, I like the Casey Musgraves like pageant material like era like it looks like it'd be a music video yes. from there but even better it's and the story incredible. is not not out yet. Coming, no, it's yes. not out yet, but it's going to be coming out. This and is good. We'll give them something soon. to look forward yeah, to. it's going to be very exciting. Check it out and for City Beat. We're going to uh, have it packaged in multiple different ways. One will be in a, a print product in our in one of our issues, but also there will be you know a digital version of the blog. And then because there's so many, so many good photos, we're just going to have a whole separate slideshow so you can just scroll through and cool. take your time and really take in the photos. Yeah, um, cool. Yeah, they're, they're amazing. We met this drag king. Uh, which I think was really important for us to 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 speak with her and incorporate her story because there's not a lot of people. I think a lot of the the vitriol against drag is just coming from a place of not understanding it. Yeah, and that's what a lot of the the queens and kings spoke about. Just basically like you know you don't know about our life and what we do, and you don't come here, you don't know what yep. we're doing, and so sure it's going to be kind of uh, strange to you and mm-hmm. you're going to want to do something kind of crazy about that. You may that. be uncomfortable. Yeah. It's kind of the point. Yeah. yeah. But you know, like it's, if you come there, it's, you kind of just realize this is just a lot of people dressing up, having fun. Yes. It's, it's honestly, it's the most like happy-go-lucky environment yeah you the energy imagine. is so high oh yeah it's amazing and this this drag king I spoke to Mr. D uh you know she uh she you know uses she her pronouns she's like said that she has never felt when she, and she was new she's just started like two months ago and she was just talking about how when she got up on stage she just like really got to know a part of herself Ooh, that never yeah. really she couldn't really connect with yes. before and so it's such a personal experience for some people to be able to do this expression it's yeah and you're not imposing what you think about yourself on other people you're sharing what you've discovered about yourself with other people yeah in this art form yeah people write people sing Mm -hmm. people perform Mm -hmm. poetry yeah perform drag yes it's an art form it is it's amazing so i'm so excited for people to see it and just go to this bar go to this bar you know, bring it's there's like a four dollar cash cover, and the the drinks are they're good, they're cheap, they're strong. The environment is the coolest you'll ever be in. And on Friday nights they do karaoke. Saturday nights is drag. They even have like a, a softball wow. team that, that you can join. That sounds so fun. Yeah, it's it's amazing. That sounds really fun. Oh my gosh. Okay, Madeline, where we've just talked about all these stories. Where can people like learn more about City Beat if they're not yeah. familiar? Where can they access all the news coverage, the media, the stories yeah. you and your team are putting together? So City Beat is kind of over the years has become more of a multimedia organization than its initial roots of just being a straight up print alt weekly product. Um, and which is great because it's a way for us to, to meet new people yeah. and to expand our audience, which is wonderful. Uh, when we do have our print product, which is, um, every other week, there are boxes around town. Now the, uh, 
the print is every other week. Yes. Yeah. So okay. it used to be, uh, especially that comes from the name Alt Weekly, you know, alternative weekly yep. newspaper. Uh, but then the pandemic hit, and so City Beat, you know, honestly, like it's it's pretty amazing, you know, that City Beat was able to kind of continue production without. Uh, compromising the quality of the content. Yeah. Uh, but one thing that, you know, City Beat did have to adjust with was the frequency. Yeah. And so the print product being um, such a huge undertaking, because putting together a print newspaper is, yeah. it's a ton, a ton yeah. of work. It takes yeah. so much collaboration and uh, being able to do that during the pandemic when, you know, we complete, we're free. It's a free yeah. newspaper. We completely yes. rely on advertisers. Yes. And a lot of the advertisers um, and a lot of the, you know, collaborations that we do are with like that food, beverage, entertainment industry, yep. which basically went on almost yes. total pause during the pandemic, right? right? So um, we kind of are at our pre-pandemic output levels as far as digital goes, but we are at our post-pandemic output levels as far as print goes. Yeah. So print yeah. is every other week and digital is every single day, every damn day. Yes. So um, the best way to, to get in touch with what's going on with City Beat is citybeat.com. And then every other week, there's an amazing print product that hits uh, City Beat boxes. Uh, there's a few places around town. One of my favorite places to go pick up a City Beat is at Clifton Market on Ludlow. Uh-huh. Just pick that up, walk around the grocery, do I think, things. is there one at Coffee Emporium yes. on Central Park? Way. Yes, that's where, I, that's where yep. I always grab mine. Uh, yeah, and so we're working on at some point uh, trying to figure out how we can more refine the distribution of the print product. But it's you know it's a slow process. Yeah, and uh, for good reason because we want to get it right and make sure that it sticks. Um, but social media, honestly, too, it's like I would just really encourage people to follow City Beat. Yeah, our Instagram, our Twitter, and yeah. Facebook because we're like always going to refine that content even further to show you like, hey, here are the big things that you need to know yeah, on a day-to-day, yeah, yeah. Um, whether it's the arts and culture stuff, music, food and beverage, news, like what I'm doing, um, yep. or even just like the silly stuff that you're probably not going to find in other places. Right. Um, you know, we'll probably have it. Yeah. And has Best of Cincinnati, but that's like their big, Yeah, that's big, the big, big, big thing. Um, yeah. It's like, you know, City Beat is like the uh, like defining authority on Taste what maker. people think is the best. And that's what's so cool is it's such a democratic process. Like I tell yeah. you, whatever someone says, it's not it's not often, but every now and then someone who's maybe kind of scorned will be like, sure. oh, Best of Cincinnati, that, that's got to be rigged or that's got to be fake. I'm like... I vote on it every year. You, go like, you can write in. Yeah. I'm like, and I have to count those write-ins and all of the misspellings yeah. and I have to figure out oh, what you meant when yeah. you act and didn't know how to use an I or an E or you didn't yes. include an apostrophe or whatever and I'm like it's cool I, we don't mind it's a labor of love yeah, it is yeah, a labor yeah. of love and, but it's labor like we're we spend so much time meticulously going through ballots and making sure that everyone's votes are counting yes. and that every business is being as accurately represented as possible um, and the Best of Cincinnati party which is very yep. exciting been to a couple yes so much fun I I've been to the casino. The Fe- it's at the Phoenix That's now, at right? The Phoenix. Yes. yes, I've been to that. It's that one. an amazing there. time. You just get to frolic. It's it's almost like an indoor food and beverage and music festival. Yes, and there's you are just, so full when you leave there. Oh my god, so, so um, full. Um, Bearable, and, yeah. And so Delicious. and drunk in a lot of cases. I last year was like my first time being out of the house after having, you know, Gus mm. attached to my hip for so long. And I had just had my first cover. I was just 
Yeah, you're I living. Was, I was so excited. I was like, I'm back, baby. Yeah, yeah. I was out there dancing with like all my new coworkers yeah. and all these like local drag queens and all these strangers. And right. it's just very good vibes. It's fun. It's yeah. fun. And when is that party? That is April 6th. Yeah, I'm coming up. I'm 99% sure at this moment. Yes, it is April 6th. And you can still get tickets. If you go to City Beats website, you can absolutely find uh, tickets to the party. There's VIP packages also available. So you can kind of go into a little bit more of like a private room, Ooh, get a little yeah. bit more fancier food, things like that. I highly recommend, honestly, that option if you're really trying to like ball out. And then it's it's really, I think it's like a really fun like date spot to be honest with you because it's almost like an activity on top of like the food and the drink because it's like a it's like a tour it's like a you're kind of going yeah you get to like sample literally all the best of Cincinnati yeah (laughs) and it's like you go through a labyrinth it's like you're in Ikea but it's like instead of like tiny little showrooms of you know apartments you're going to booths of you know, this barbecue or this vegan mm. taco or mm. this, this, and this. And it's, oh my God, it's so much It's such fun. a fun way to just discover new places to eat too. Yeah, definitely. That's what I, my favorite thing to do. Yeah, it's awesome. Okay, Madeline, one more question for you. Okay. The big one. What does being fit mean to you? Oh my Lord. I, I think being fit to me as I've grown as an, an adult has really been about adjusting my expectations Mm. to what um, fit should mean to me. Mm. Because as a person growing up, I had just like an insatiable need to be as athletic as possible Mm. when I was in high school. Oh, I heard about (laughs) your pole vaulting. You got a pole vaulting start. That is the craziest fucking sport I can possibly imagine. You're literally running with a long ass pole and sticking it into the ground (laughs) and hurtling yourself over yeah. like a goalpost and yeah. falling onto a mat. Yeah, exactly. I, I remember in it. track and field, I would always watch the pole vaulters like in pure amazement. Like how, why, defying the laws of physics, I don't understand it. Yeah, I just loved it. At the time I was, um, you know, doing cheerleading and gymnastics and stuff. And I was just like, well, this is just like gymnastics, but for track and but like. insane, like really think about it. Like <laughs> running. No, yeah, with a big, ginormous fiberglass pole. <laughs> Yeah. Um, and it's it, it was so cool. I Rust it into it. the ground to propel yourself. It's and you're going to bend the pole back and you yeah. fling yourself up and immediately pull like yourself upside down. Yeah. I, I was very intense with it. I, I went to camp in the summer. I went and I trained with this guy that was the former uh, U.S. bronze medalist for pole vaulting, Jan, Jan Johnson. And it was up in like Centerville, Ohio, and I would drive up there with my mom's 1985 Oldsmobile station wagon, this ginormous car, and I would have all my poles strapped to the top. Oh, my God. I always be driving up to pole vaulting camp, and I uh, I loved it. It's It was very intense. It was very exciting and very, uh, very strenuous on your body. Like, let's be very yeah. clear. Um, it was intense on, on my back, my shoulders. I mean, it's, it's definitely, I never, ever picked sports that were leisurely. I was Mm. always trying to be very intense with what I did. And I, I loved, 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 loved dancing. And that's something that I thought I was going to hopefully be able to like carry throughout the rest of my life. Um, and I, you know, when I was in Austin and right when I moved back to Cincinnati, I would participate a lot in, uh, there's dance fix. Yeah. I loved it. I absolutely yeah. loved it. I was like, I have found my people. I have found my thing. This is great. Um, and then I, uh, very quickly after, 
you know, pandemic wrapped up and I gave birth. I broke my uh, radial head, shattered my radial head and my elbow. Um, my first, <laughs> my first weekend away so from painful. from Gus, uh, I was like, I'm just gonna go to my cousin's wedding and have a good time. Mm-mm. I'm just gonna go to my cousin's wedding, have a few drinks, have a good time. I instead, and I wasn't even, and that's the thing is, I wish I was like, I could say I was yep. dancing on a table, yeah. or I was like, I found a stick and I'm gonna try pole vaulting right. in this backyard, you know, like off all this free wedding wine. But I just, the light and this deck was really dark, and I walked off of a deck, tried to catch myself. And when I did, I crumpled on top of my arm. It felt like and sounded like I was carrying a bundle of sticks, fell, and they crumpled and broke in my arms. And I thought, oh, shit, all right, well, at least I'm just going to have a funny story. Maybe I just, like, broke a little part of my arm. I'll get a cast. I'll be okay. But it actually turned out to be, like, a (laughs) life-changing injury because they had to end up scooping out first of all mind you i went to the abercrombie and fitch emergency room at the wexler medical center which he is a known crazy sex offender yeah yeah um and that to me was just the the weirdest cherry on top i was like i'm at the abercrombie and like the like the headquarters like there's emergency it says that Abercrombie, like, it's almost like how you have, like, I don't know, like, it's like a sponsor. It's like TQL Stadium or the Paycor Stadium. It was the Abercrombie Weird. and Fitch emergency room. So I walk in there. I'm like, this does not feel like I'm in an Abercrombie mm, and Fitch mm, at mm, all. But no, it, no, no. It's going to be just as expensive. Yeah. So <laughs> I, I, you know, get the... The bad news uh, that they're like, we think it's your elbow, not your arm. So I had to go back home. Long story short, this amazing doctor uh, who wore cowboy boots during my surgery, which I don't know why, but that brought me a lot of comfort. Okay, um, yeah. He ended up scooping out all of that shattered bone and replacing it with a metal ball. And so I have basically this huge metal ball in my elbow now that is allowing me to be able to move it and control it. But I wow. will, I, I can never use my arm the same way again. Mm. I have to basically be very, very gentle with it. Yeah. So there's a lot of things I can't do. And even with dancing. So that intensity is. Intensity is, back, yeah. So I've, back, yeah. I've, I've grown to accept what fitness is going to have to change kind of for me. Mm-hmm. And in all these different stages of my life, it's like, okay, I can no longer pull vault because that's not something that you can just kind of go out nope, and do. Nope, nope, it's, nope. you know, not really, they don't have one of those at Planet Fitness. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. I'm like, okay, well now my, my, my life has to adjust. Okay. I'm going to dance. Okay. Now again, my elbow is, is, is bionic and I have to go through a weird security metal detector mm-hmm. at the airport. <laughs> it's different. Now I have to adjust. So now as a mom, for me, fitness is just about like making the things that I do in my day to day life a little bit more fitnessy. Yeah, you know, like I'm yeah. carrying my son, and I'm like, I'm, let me tell you, this other left arm has gotten way stronger. Yes, I'm always carrying him on this side, and we just do this thing where we just bounce around the house like oh, I'm like I'm yeah. a horse galloping, yes. and he just laughs and laughs and he loves it and I just know that I'm like if I can squeeze my abs while I'm doing this or if I can squat a little bit lower yeah I can kind of work in a workout and get myself some endorphins going and feel a little bit good but also he's benefiting from it because he's having a good time and it's something we're doing bonding yeah it's it's hard when your identity for a long time was wrapped up in being an athlete right and then then finding you're like oh man I'm just really preserving mobility at this point yeah no truly but it's like accepting it it is the most logical thing changes throughout your life like this is where you are right now but you know five ten years later Mm -hmm. who knows 
Yeah. You could have a whole new chapter of fitness. Yeah, exactly. Maybe they'll yeah. come out with a, a medical advancement and I can just have a new arm and yeah. then I'll be pole vaulting again. Who knows? Like, yeah. <laughs> so it's, I think that fitness to me means evolving your expectations of what fitness should mean yeah. to you. Yeah. Yeah. I love that. Madeline, thank you so much for this. Thank I you so much. I so for appreciate me. it. You'll have to come back when you've got like, New yes. good stories. We'll just make, come back and make it a little like Absolutely. regular touch in. I love it. As soon, honestly, I'd love to at some point come back and talk. We can talk Norfolk Southern because that's going to yes. be a huge deal. Yes. Once we have come back. Uh, some more going on, some more word from the state house on that state ch law change, and then we'll have that whole election happening here locally. Once I can get more word from no, the we're going to have a whole yeah, a whole news segment. You just be a regular correspondent. Come oh, I love on, that. Come on whenever you want. <laughs> Okay. Anytime, seriously. That seriously, sounds I really wonderful. Appreciate it. Thank you so much for having me. Thank you. Listeners, thank you so much for listening. Check out City Beat. Um, share to your socials if you're loving What the Fit. And that's it. Love you so much. Bye-bye. Bye. -bye. Bye.